How are we doing tonight, today? Well, this morning. Are you guys good? Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Well, um, I'm really excited to be bringing the word this morning. And, um, you know, we didn't plan on doing that rest on our song. It kind of came out in practice earlier. Um, but that song kind of stole my sermon, to be honest. Um, it's all about Holy Spirit resting on us. Um, we've been such in such an amazing season as a church, haven't we? Um, I'd say the last six months, I mean, I remember that service, Joss, where you got up to service lead and you just couldn't do anything. You were like a stunned mullet, you know? Um, and it's kind of like Holy Spirit's really just been resting on us. Um, and it's just been so amazing to see him work and it's affected the way that we worship even corporately. Um, I don't know if you've noticed, but we're we're practicing listening to the presence, and we want to linger in those moments, um, making room for the prophetic. If, if there's a word that comes out, we want to be obedient to what he's saying. And um, I love those words, actually, because, you know, sometimes as a worship leader or, or when you're in this space, sometimes you're just looking for that next level of breakthrough, and then the word comes, and then it's like, oh, there it is. That's exactly what we were, like, pushing into. Um so it's, it's such a cool season that we're in as a church. Um, even uh, personally, I hope for all of us that we are leaning into the Holy Spirit. Um, Gideon talks a lot about the secret place. Uh, and if I had a dollar for every time he said that, I would be Oprah and I would just shout you all cars. Um, because he talks about the secret place a lot, doesn't he? Um, but isn't it cool to have senior pastors that actually lean in and are actually paving the way for us? Um, I love that. And, uh, you know, I really believe that we are uh, in the middle of a move of God. Here and, and all around the world, um, God is just doing amazing things. He's really like turning up the temperature. And there's such a push back to holiness in this season. Um, I don't know if you've felt that. Uh, I'm talking to people who have said um, they're fasting once a week now, like one day a week. People who have said they've just finished watching the TV Netflix, the news, they're like, it's, it's, I'm done with it. Um, they just want this time with God and they want to block out that stuff that's um, really holding them back. And um, the question is, are, are we ready to get on board with what Holy Spirit wants to do among us? Um, because if it's not through us, it'll be through someone else. But I know that we as a church want to put up our hands and say, Holy Spirit, come and move through us. Um, I'm going to try not to say rest on us for the rest of the service, but it's literally my sermon. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so, we, yeah, we want to posture our hearts to him. And, uh, you know, I was thinking this week about um, so many issues that society in society we're facing today. Um, and sometimes, I don't know if you guys wonder this, but I'm like, man, how much darker can things get? Because um, there's some pretty, like, wild stuff out there. Um, I remember growing up in church, the biggest issue that we that I remember facing was the anti-smacking bill that went around. And that was like the biggest thing. And now I'm like, that actually seems quite puny compared to some of the things around sexuality and gender. And um, man, I could just keep going. Um, individualism, polarization, you know, the fact that I could have a stance on something. And if you don't, well, then we just can't be friends. We can't even know each other. Um, this isn't the social justice message, by the way. Um, I'm simply noting that the church right now is in a very significant moment in history. 
And the church has to wake up to the fact that we are God's agent here on earth. And it's why we're seeing the church's experience revival and renewal right now all around the world because there's this realization that, oh my goodness, we are the city on the hill, just like Jesus talked about. And so we're beginning to realign ourselves with the uh, unshakable, the unmovable Word of God. And, uh, you know, last week we celebrated Pentecost. I love Pentecost. Uh, That marks the moment that the Holy Spirit came and descended on the disciples and they were empowered to then go out and fulfill the Great Commission. Um, In Acts 1 verse 8, it says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. What do you need power for? Power to be witnesses to the ends of the earth. That's what it says. You see, we need the Holy Spirit for the wild life that God has designed for us. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, while the world will lie and say that it's all about you and your purpose, the reality is it's all about Jesus and his mission. It's what we're here for. It's why the Holy Spirit was released on earth 2,000 years ago. It was about his mission, transforming the world with the good news of Jesus. (laughs) As part of it. And, you know, the church can't keep treating Holy Spirit like it exists for Christian entertainment, but instead for human transformation. His transformation in us is the proof the world needs of his existence. And I love this quote from Jacob Salguero. He says, if deep spirituality doesn't lead to radical practicality, it's just emotionalism. And where the church has been disempowered throughout history, we need to rekindle the flame of the Holy Spirit inside of us. It's interesting, when you track through history, you see that humanity, we just want to live with unrestrained license, autonomy. We just want to do whatever we want. Do we have any history lovers out there? A few? Can I just go through a little bit of history? Because I just find this stuff so interesting. You know, for hundreds of years... The word of God was the standard by which we were to live. The word of God was the code of conduct, right? Did you know not long after Jesus left the earth, the church, capital C, was in charge of upholding the standard for how we should live? So intellectual and political authority came from the word of God and came from our fundamental beliefs, um, everything that we read in his word. The Roman Catholic Church for hundreds of years was head of state in Europe. So even the king would come and consult with the religious leaders on how to rule. And does this mean they always got it right? No, because like any institution, when people are involved, there are mistakes that are made, right? Um, Ain't that the truth? But we see this in the history of church where power is abused, where war is waged, where innocents suffer, Um, Dark, dark ages, you know, the, what do you call them? The Crusades, all about that. But, you know, with the imbalance of power, people have sought to strip the authority from the word of God and from the church and to disempower the Lord. And um, we see this at the Age of Enlightenment, which is the philosophical movement of the 17th century, which was marked by this rejection of traditional, social, religious, and political ideas with this emphasis on rationalism. And you would have heard this. 
I think, therefore I am. And so it all became about self-improvement. We see the use of and celebration of reason, the power by which humans understand the universe and just seek to improve their own condition. And the three attributes of the Enlightenment, see if these sound familiar, was reason, individualism, and skepticism. Track with me, all right? I'm going somewhere. And then modernism in the 1900s. It was defined as a time when artists and thinkers rebelled against every conceivable doctrine that was widely accepted by the establishment. And at the core of modernism lay this idea that the world had to be fundamentally rethought. Rather than pointing towards the historical existence of Jesus, the truth of his word, modernist thinking told that justification for the faith was to, was to come by turning inwards, looking inwards to the personal experience of the human subject. And this was just another step in uh, secularizing uh, culture and moving away from a belief in God. And so through history's history, we see that individuals are taught that we can rethink everything, that we can self-govern, we can do whatever we want. We just have to look inward. What's our truth? Throw in postmodernism in the 70s and the 80s, and this was known as the designer decade. It was characterized by vivid color, theatricality, and exaggeration. Everything was a style statement. Whether surfaces were glossy, faked, or deliberately distressed, they reflected the desire to combine subversive statements with commercial appeal. And in the 21st century, we're feeling its effects today. It gave us a whole new way of looking at the world. We're, we're told to embrace every little thing that's different. So we celebrate everything that's different. Things like homosexuality, we just celebrate it because it's different. We celebrate rebellion. We blur the lines of what's right and what's wrong, and then we celebrate it. So why does this history matter? Well, as you can see, we're no longer working with the Christian worldview. If you want to put it this way, we're no longer the home team. We no longer have the field advantage. In fact, in many places, we're looked sideways for our faith, even persecuted for our faith. Once upon a time, if you had a faith, even if I didn't agree with what you're saying, we could still be friends. We could still converse with one another, still have a cup of coffee. You would res be respected enough to be heard. There was even once upon a time where all our parents and our grandparents would go to Sunday school. Even if they didn't believe, they'd just send you to Sunday school. Who remembers Bible in schools? Yeah. Who remembers when VeggieTales used to preach the word? <laughs> don't give me that Netflix VeggieTales rubbish, eh? I don't, want it. I don't want it in my life. Yet we've laid so much of this on the altar because it's easier to submit to the culture around us than to pick up our cross daily and follow him. And to live that Holy Spirit empowered life. So the question really is, what is our response as Christians as the world grows darker? That is, we let the fire of the Holy Spirit burn brighter within us. What does the Bible say? It says Christ in us, the hope of glory. He's the hope. He's the salvation. He's the freedom. He's the truth that the world needs and is looking for. 
Holy Spirit living and breathing inside of us and and he wants out. You and I have the prob- the answer to so many of the problems that we see around us. And I, I believe that we really owe the world an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And whatever your position on, you know, the way the world ends and all of that stuff, just because it seems to be a hot topic. As the world gets darker, the, the church is called to be the city on a hill a beacon of hope. We are the hope of the world. Jesus has and will always be the answer. Amen? And um, I brought a, a friend. This is my um, glove. And, um, you know, this glove is designed to do work, right? Like I bought this glove because I'm like, this glove's going to do work. And, um, and so I say to this glove, you know, I'm like, glove, fetch me that water. I can't do it. So I'm like, okay, maybe we need to disciple this glove. We need to get this glove into a life group. We need to we need to teach this glove how to be a glove. There we go. Now, now, glove, pick me up this water. Can't do it. Okay, well, this glove needs to respond in an altar call and needs to confess, I am a glove. There we go. Now, now it's got it. Go, glove. Still can't do it. You know, while all those things are good, this glove cannot work until it has a living hand inside of it. And, you know, this is how the Christian life works. We can't expect to do the work of God until the Holy Spirit comes and fills every single part of our being. And He wants to use you and I. We are His hands and feet. And he wants to come and he wants to fill every part of our being. And, you know, Paul writes to the church in Thessalonica and he, he warns them saying this. He says, do not quench the spirit. Do not reject prophecies, but examine everything. Hold firmly to that which is good. Do not quench the spirit. And I've been thinking about that, meditating a lot. What does it mean to quench the spirit? It means we don't allow the Holy Spirit to do the work that he was released on earth for. When we hold him back, when we don't allow him to fill every part of our being. And, you know, I had like three of these lies in my head that I was like, you know, these are things that we believe. Um, Three lies that we tell ourselves. You know, I believe we quench the spirit when we say things like, you know, I'm going to play the long-term game and I'm going to preach through my deeds. Where do you know the reality is being a nice person isn't enough of a witness? There are many nice people that exist right now that are going to hell. That's the truth. We can't just play the long-term game and preach through our deeds. We also quench the spirit when we say things like, oh, you know, that's fine for you, but I don't have a platform. The reality is your vacation is your platform. Vocation, sorry. Your vocation, wherever you work, whatever you do, that is your platform to share the good news. We quench the Holy Spirit when we say, people will think less of me if, if they knew about my faith. 
reality is you need to kill your pride before it kills you. Because it's not actually about you. It's not about me. It's not about us. It's about pointing them to the best news that ever existed. And you might be saying, yeah, I, I just, it's a, it's a cool word, but I don't know what that looks like for me. And Josh said something at the start of the week. I don't think he realized how profound it was. But you know that story of, of the kid that walks along the beach and he sees these starfish? And he just grabs one and he just throws it back in the water. Sees another one, grabs it, throws it back in the water. It's like, that's what God wants to do through us, 101. See that person that needs help, that needs love. And we just pick them up and we just release them into life. How can I make a difference? Just one person at a time. Just one work colleague at a time. We had um, our head barista at the cafe. He, um, he was atheist. His whole family didn't believe. And he was invited to come along to the David Blestry encounter night. And he's like, I'll go if you stop asking me to come to church from now on. <laughs> it's a good deal. Anyway, he comes along and then gets radically touched by God. And I'm just sitting there watching him as this guy is like bursting into tears. And then Ozzy and Dej will come over and I have to share this part because it's so cool. They just start prophesying over him. And I'm sure they're thinking, oh, I'm wondering if this, this, this word is landing. I'm not too sure. But then afterwards he comes to me and he says, you know, did, like, did, do they know who I am? Do they know me? Did you tell them about me? And I'm like, no, why is that? He said, because their words were so on point. And I was like, man, in church that's called reading each other's mail. <laughs> you know, the Holy Spirit speaks through us and then we just release it and then there we go. I mean, look, that was, that was so cool that this person came to salvation that someone else at work was like, I need to go back to church and find out what's happening. That's pretty cool. And then after that, she's like, well, I might as well bring my unsaved boyfriend, see what that's all about. And then uh, we were able to pray and prophesy over him last week. I mean, he hasn't made the decision yet, but I know that God's working in his heart. I know that seeds are being planted. I know that when we're faithful, just throwing the starfish one at a time, that God honors that. And we are his agents in the world to bring about salvation to bring about transformation we actually owe it to the world to burn hot for Jesus to live lives that are set apart for him that's why there's such a, a push towards holiness and repentance right now let's allow the Holy Spirit to burn brighter in us let's not quench the Holy Spirit And if you don't feel like you're hot for God right now, one really simple thing you could do, because I want to be practical, is just to get around someone who is burning hot for Jesus. Because when you do that, it's pretty hard to, to not catch fire. You know? If you're feeling dry, if you're feeling like maybe there's just a wee pile of ashes <laughs> that you haven't got it in you, Man, just get around someone that is hot for God. Get around a new Christian if you need to. Because those guys are crazy, man. 
they're just bouncing off the walls, eh? <clears throat> Habakkuk in the Bible, he, he prayed this amazing prayer. And it was in a time when Israel was exiled from the Holy Land. They'd been taken captive by the Babylonians. And he had heard stories of God's faithfulness. He'd heard stories of all the amazing things that God had, did, God had done. And so Habakkuk, he prays this. I'm saying it really quick because no one knows how to say that word, right? Habakkuk. Um, he prays this amazing prayer. He's sitting down and he says, Lord, I have heard of your fame and I stand in awe of your deeds. Lord, repeat them in our day, in our time, make them known. Or in another translation, it says, God, I've heard what our ancestors say about you, and I'm stopped in my tracks, down on my knees. Do among us what you did among them. Work among us as you worked among them. Holy Spirit, I just thank you so much that you reside in us. Lord, that you are the hope of the world. And Lord, your, your goal is to see this world transformed with the love of Jesus. Holy Spirit, I just pray for each of us that we would burn hot for you. Lord, that we would burn hot. Holy Spirit. Lord, not for our sakes, for just having a good time to shake and bake in the Holy Ghost. But Lord, that we would be on hot for the sake of the world. Lord, and I just pray even now that you would just pinpoint people in our heads, just that a random name would pop into our heads and our hearts. Someone that we can pray for, someone that we can deliver a dinner to, someone that we could invite around for a cup of tea and a ginger nut. Lord, I just um, thank you for your great love. Lord, and it's your kindness that leads us to repentance. And I just pray that the world would see you when they look at us. That's our prayer. It's as simple as that. That the world, when they see us, they see you, Lord. We honor you, Holy Spirit.